day. I want to remind you that Wednesday nights we've begun a series on uh, exposing the cults. Last Wednesday night we had an all-time record in attendance as we talked about Jehovah's Witness is. And we'll be talking this Wednesday about Mormonism. Now this is, of course, you know me. This isn't to attack any people, but it is to reveal uh, why these particular teachings are um, erroneous and damaging. And uh, so many people had come up to me and told me that they had dealt with these different cults in one way or another. So we're just wanting to put some information into your hands and teach you uh, so that you'll know how to deal with it. So that's Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, Mormonism. And uh, all right, let's turn to Matthew chapter 26. How many of you in here have a will? How many of you in here have a will that gets in the way? I just want to know if I'm talking to human beings. How many of you need greater will power? Well, we're going to talk today about how to discipline your will. I was going to deal with will and emotions, but I just couldn't do it justice if I dealt with both. So next week I'm going to deal with your emotions because, boy, do those need to come under the control of the Spirit of God. But so does the will. So we're in Steady Eddie, the series Steady Eddie. This is the fourth week, and we're just going to continue until the Holy Spirit lets me off of it. But we're after consistency. We don't want to be a shooting star. We don't want to be meteorites. Here today, gone tomorrow. Big flash in the pan, and we're gone. We want to be here today, here tomorrow, here next year. We want to finish strong as we've begun strong. Don't want to peter out in the middle of the race. Don't want to drop out. Don't want to put up the white flag. Don't want to go lukewarm. We want to stay steady, Eddie. Amen? So Matthew 26, 39, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He doesn't want to go to the cross. I'll tell you why in a moment. And he's having the classic battle of wills. Notice what it says. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, read it with me, everyone, not as I will, but as you will. Father, we thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Well, there's the classic battle, and Jesus made the classic statement of submission to the will of God. Now, I want you to notice what he said, not as I will, but as you will. Not what I want, but what you want. There it is. Now, in this passage, we find even the very Son of God who never knew a sin battling, struggling with the will of God. I believe he was struggling not because he was afraid of the nails, not because he was afraid of the whip, but because he knew that for a brief time he would be separated from the Father on the cross. Never in eternity past or ever again, eternity future, will that ever happen? Jesus was separated briefly from the Father. And in that time period on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did he say that? Because the presence of God had withdrawn. As the Son of God took our sins 
on himself, somehow, in the mysterious dealings of God, he took our sins on himself and for a season was separated. That's what I believe made him sweat, as it were, great drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He dreaded that moment. But he said, nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. And thank God he said it. Because if he had not said it, there would have been no sacrifice and our sins would not be covered. So the battle of the wills, the battle of the wills. We've been talking about uh, discipline, talked last week about discipline and how you've got to discipline your life if you're going to achieve the will of God, your dreams, your aspirations. You've got to discipline your life. And thank God the Holy Spirit was given to you and me that we might do that. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a spirit of self-control. So when the Holy Spirit came into our life, He came in to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. One of those fruits is self-control. And I told you that discipline is bringing your life under control to accomplish the will of God. We've got to bring our life under discipline, under control, under the control of the Holy Ghost. We've got a helper. We're not doing this alone. The Holy Ghost is within you to bring, to give you the ability to say no. Charles Spurgeon said, it's of greater value to be able to say no than to be able to speak the Latin language. The power of no, just to say no, just say no. And it'll carry you miles. And so we're talking about self-control in three areas. Getting control of our time. We talked about last week. Our will and our emotions. I want to deal with the will today. Because we need to bring our will under discipline. We all have a will. That's what makes us human beings. God gave humanity a will. We are not robots. We're not automatons. God gave us a will. He gave Adam and Eve the power of choice. And so we can choose to walk with God. We can choose to walk away. He gave us a will. And that's a blessing if we walk in the right path. And it's not so much a blessing if we don't. But I want you to know today that God's not going to make us do anything. Oh, he'll bring pressure to bear, but we've got a will. And so we're going to talk about bringing that will under submission to God. Now, Jesus had reached a place in the Garden of Gethsemane where he said, I don't want to go to the cross. I'm in a battle. Just like so much of the time, we don't want to go to the cross. We don't want to crucify our flesh. We, we don't want to give certain things up. We don't want to walk a certain path. We get attached to some things, people, places, or things, and, and, and we don't want to let go. And our will comes into conflict with God's will all the time. This issue of our will over God's will is one of the great testing grounds of life, if not the greatest testing ground of life. Your will. Will we forgive somebody per God's will or hold a grudge? Will we pursue his will for our lives or choose to go our own way? All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And that's why he had to lay on him the iniquity of us all. Because we went everyone our own way. 
We deal with our wills every day. In a hundred decisions, big and small, you deal with your will versus God's will. Isn't that the truth? Will we honor Him in relationships or choose a person over Him? Will we repent of sin in obedience to His will or usurp our will over God's will and walk in disobedience? We've got a will, and that will needs to come into submission. And if it does not come into submission, your dreams, the dreams God has given you, His purpose and design and desire for your life will remain unfulfilled and undone until the will can come into submission to God. This conflict of wills, it traces all the way back to Satan, all the way back to Satan's rebellion against God. And his pronouncement, in the devil's pronouncement against God, when he rose up against God and became a judged angel, it happened by him saying, I will, five times. I will. That's what got him into trouble. I will ascend into heaven, the devil said. I will exalt my throne above God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the clouds. I will be like God. And those I wills brought him into judgment. He lost what he had. And now he's a devil headed for a devil's hell because of I will. Adam said, I will disobey God, ate of the fruit. Eve said, I will, and ate of the fruit. And they came under judgment. But when you say, I will follow after God, folks, it's the way to blessing. When you say, not my will, but yours, you have just landed in a place of great safety. Because when you say, not my will, but thine be done, you have chosen the best route every single time. The battle between our will and God's will is the root issue of life. You're going to deal with it in your relationships. You're going to deal with it in the temptations that attack your mind and your heart. You're going to deal with it at every step, every day of your life. My will or God's. This week you had a battle with your will versus God's. Listen carefully to me. It decides whether you're going to be a man or a woman of God or just a man or a woman. You want to be a man or a woman of God? We're going to have to get to the place where we say, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. Not my will, but yours be done. Oh, there's things my heart wants and my flesh wants, but Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And when we bring our will into submission to the will of God, that's the pathway to blessing. It will decide whether you bear much fruit or are largely unfruitful. You will not bear fruit in the kingdom of God. Until you say, not my will, but yours be done. If it hurts, I'm going to choose your will. If it's difficult, I'm still going to choose your will. If it breaks my heart, I'm going to choose your will. I want your will, God. I'm going to follow the way of your will. It's so easy to say, I love God's will. God is so good all the time. But tell the truth, you don't always feel that he's good all the time. Because there are times when your will clashes with his and you rebuke the devil all day long and finally realize it's not the devil. God's requiring something from you. Your will is clashing with God's will. That hour of temptation will always come when his will comes into direct conflict with your will. And that is when we've got to understand how to discipline our wills so that they come into submission to God. Well, y'all are quiet today. Must be some wills in here. 
Because this is, this is what separates the men from the boys, the women from the girls, the disciples from those who are just playing church. Are you willing to give up your will for the will of God? i got to tell you something, folks. I want a church full of people who are saying, not my will, but thine be done. That's the people that revival will rest on. That's the people that will influence a city for God. That's the people that will see the glory of God. Not my will, but thine be done. Now, why in the world should I do that? I'm going to give you one good reason. God's will is always best. His will is always superior. His will is the pathway to fulfillment and joy and peace and reward. His will will never let you down. If you choose His will, you'll always be glad you did it. It may hurt in the beginning, but it's blessed in the end. If you choose your will, there will be gratification in the beginning, but a curse in the end. I'm telling you, His will is always best. It's always superior. It is always higher than ours. The way of our own will is selfish, destructive, unfulfilling, and disappointing. Look where you got you before you knew him. Come on, everybody. Say, well, Pastor Jeff, that's all good and true, and I know that it's true, but how do I bring my will into submission to him? Jesus told us exactly how to do it in Luke 9, 23. He said, if anyone, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Oh, this isn't an easy saying. I don't expect you all to jump up and shout when I read this. But I got to tell you, this verse that I'm about to read to you has turned more people away from walking with Jesus than almost any single verse in the Bible. But we find that when we do what he said, it opens the door to the blessing and the abundant life that we all want and so often fall short of because we don't understand the principle of denying ourselves. He says, if you would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now notice what Jesus said. He said, if you don't choose the cross and self-denial, you will lose the very life you think you're saving. He who saves his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Notice the paradox, the dichotomy. Watch this. If you don't choose the cross and self-denial, you're going to lose the very life you thought you were saving. But if you pick up the cross of self-denial, you'll save the life it feels like you're losing. This is one of those opposites in the kingdom of God that, 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 that don't make sense but are true. The way up is down. The way to life is death. Death to you. Can I give you some news today? God's out to kill you. (laughs) Not your physical life, and and not in a bad way, but he's out to kill that willful, uh, rebellious, disobedient self that has gotten you in so much trouble. The Holy Ghost has come into your life to crucify that self. That's right. 
And so many of us don't understand this. And because we don't understand it, we don't experience that abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us. We don't understand that we've got to die. That is our self, our willfulness, our stubbornness, uh, that, that part of us that wants to walk away from God. The part that Paul bewailed when he said, oh, wretched man that I am, I am in a conflict. What I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, that's the very thing that I do. I feel like I'm going crazy. What's going to help me with this? He said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He came to crucify myself. Some of you are going, I don't know about this crucifixion stuff. I came to have a good time, praise God. I'm about to tell you how to have a real good time. I'm about to tell you how to access the living waters and walk in liberty and freedom in God. It, you you got to die to live. you got to be crucified to be resurrected. You've got to let him have yourself and nail your old, stubborn, willful self to the cross. Now, I, now the first thing you think when I read that verse is, well, is Jesus talking about a life of sacrifice and not having any joy? No fun? No. He's given us the road to joy. Now, stay with me. He's given us the road to joy. Is he laying out a life of pain and misery? Am I supposed to walk around frowning all the time, furrowed brow, never having any fun, never having any life, no parties, no, no nothing, just sort, of, just sort of enduring this thing called life until I go to heaven? No. He's teaching us how to bring into submission and discipline the very thing that does bring pain and misery to us. That's our flesh. When was the last time you got into trouble? It was your flesh. You say, no, the devil made me do it. The devil can't touch anything that's not crucified. Listen, if, if your flesh is crucified, he's got nothing to work with. The devil looks for uncrucified flesh in you and me. And that's what he tempts and that's what he capitalizes on. And those are the areas where he brings us down. So if you're good and crucified, he has nothing to work with. Now, let me give you some facts about the cross. The cross. I'm going to help you to explain what I'm talking about. We're talking about bringing our wills into discipline, our wills into submission. Here's some facts about the cross Jesus is talking about when he says you've got to pick up your cross. Your cross. Here's what he means. First of all, it's voluntary. Can you notice that? It's voluntary. He said if. That word if stands like a sentinel at the beginning of this verse. If. Not everybody, but if you desire to follow after him, you must pick up your cross and then deny yourself. If. Can everybody say with me? If. See, not everybody wants to pick up that cross. Not everybody is hungry for God. But I'm going to tell you something I know about you today. What are you doing sitting in church on a Sunday morning in the middle of the summer when you could be out on the lake, you could be in a boat, you could be sitting at home just kind of resting, kicking back after a hard day, hard week's work? I know why you're here. You're here because one day you looked up and you said, Jesus, forgive me, and the Holy Ghost came into your heart and you tasted the living waters. You tasted the life of God. The love of God was poured out in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. He was shed abroad inside your soul. And when you 
tasted that love and those living waters, nothing else would do. You are after God. You've got your problems. You've got your shortcomings. You've got your trials and errors, your hits and misses. But deep down inside, there's a longing for Jesus Christ. You're not here to see a name. You're not here because the name on the front of a building. You're here because you want the touch of God. You can say with Paul... You can say with Paul, I've suffered the loss of all things and they are but done to me that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death that I might know his life. You're after him. You are panting after God. Deep down inside, the cry of your heart is, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I don't care where it leads. Something inside of me has got to have more. Is that what I'm talking to today? Can you say with me, I can't get enough of Jesus. Isn't that the truth? One taste of those living waters and you're hooked and addicted and you never forget it. You may look for it in other things, but you always come back to where you know you first got it. It came from Jesus and from the Holy Ghost. And so if any man wants to follow after me, he's the one, she's the one who will pick up their cross and deny themselves. I want you to notice it's personal. It's personal. He says, if any man wants to follow after me, let him pick up his cross. His cross. So, Pastor, what does that mean? We all know our areas of willfulness. We all know where we're willful. You may not be willful where I am. My cross isn't yours and yours isn't mine. But Jesus said, you've got to pick up your cross. Now, what does he mean by that? That means that any area in your life that is prone to rise up against the will of God in your life, that's where you've got to pick up your cross. It's your cross. I can't carry your cross for you and you can't carry mine for me. Because sometime during this week, myself is going to rise up against something that God wants for me. And I'm going to have to pick up my cross. I'm going to have to pick up the cross in that area where I'm willful. It might be gossiping. It might be fear. It might be prejudice. It might be some some drug that you're drawn to, some person. It might be lust. It might be hate. Whatever it is that rises up inside of you, that's where you got to get your cross. It's personal. He didn't say pick up my cross. I'm carrying my cross. He said, you got to pick up yours and you got to die to that area where you're willful. Now, don't polish your halos too bright in front of me today like, well, I don't have any area of willfulness. The person sitting next to you knows you. And if you really think you don't, ask your spouse. Ask your kids. Ask your parents. Can you say with me, it's personal. Now, let me tell you what the cross is not. It has nothing to do with sicknesses or a bad knee or a bad day or a bad boss where we say, oh, it's just my cross to bear. My boss is just my cross to bear. Hey, man, what's going on? Oh, just bearing my cross. What's your cross? Oh, it's this sickness that I've got. It's my, it's my cross. That's not your cross. God didn't give you that, uh, that as your cross. He didn't give you that cross. And your boss is not your cross. And neither is your spouse. Turn to him and tell him, you're not my cross. I thought you were, but you're not. I 
I'm only having a little bit of fun with you. See, we picked up this wrong meaning of what the cross is about. The cross is not some affliction or sickness. It's not anything like that. Do you want to know what the cross really is that Jesus was talking about? It is only and exclusively about denying yourself. If any man would come after me, let him pick up his cross and deny himself and follow me. When I'm willful and my will wants to go against God, then I pick up my cross and I say, not my will, but yours be done. And then I'm free and the way is open for me to follow him. But until I do that, I can't follow God because myself is standing in the way. And Jesus knew this. He said, the greatest obstacle to you going on with me and being my disciple is yourself. So you've got to deny yourself. The cross is voluntary. Can you say it with me? It's voluntary and it's personal and it's daily. He said, let him pick up his cross daily. How often do we need to pick up the cross? Every single day, several times in any given day. In rush hour traffic, you need to pick up your cross in the morning and in the night. I never need the cross more than when I'm in rush hour traffic. I need three crosses when I'm in rush hour traffic. I need one in front of me, one behind me, and one on either. I need four crosses because all my flesh rises up in rush hour traffic. I fantasize about being able to have a propeller come up out of the middle of my car and lift me up out of it and carry me away. But that doesn't happen. I'm dealing with weird and strange people on every side, and I need the cross. I need to be able to bless those that curse me. I need to put on patience. I need to tell myself, whoa, boy, get back. Do you? Not me, Pastor. Hey, I'm fine out there in that rush hour traffic. Have you noticed you become another person in rush hour traffic? See, where'd that come from? It came from yourself. Daily. Can you say with me, I need it daily. I got to pick up my cross and crucify that willfulness. It's necessary for discipleship. Jesus said, whoever does not take up his cross cannot be. It's impossible to be my disciple because yourself will stand in the way every time. It'll whine. It'll whimper. It'll complain. It'll gripe and assert itself over God's will. That's our nature. That's why Walmart has a complaint counter, not a thank counter. And I'll tell you what, you talk about somebody who needs a cross, the person who took that job and listens to complaints all day long. Don't put me behind that complaint counter. I say, bless the Lord, be quiet. Thank God you got what you got. You got a Walmart in your town. Don't put me behind that complaint counter. And I'll tell you what, you put a thank counter on one end and a complaint counter on the other. Tell me which one's going to have the longest line. There'll be two people saying thank you and 300 complaining. It's human nature. Yourself will stand in the way of God. When Peter stood before the Lord and said, far be it from you that you should go to the cross and die, Jesus perfectly described his problem with his self. He said this to him, out of my way, Satan. 
you are a stumbling block to me. For your mind is set. You have a mindset, Peter. Your mind is locked into and set on the sinful, erring, blind ways of men. It is not set on the glory of God. So Peter, get away from me. And what had happened to Peter? Because he, Jesus addressed Satan. Peter wasn't crucified. Peter's self said, I don't want this man, my teacher, my Lord, to die. So he said, don't do it, Lord. And he didn't realize that Satan had set on his tongue and was speaking through him to make an emotional appeal to Jesus to not do it and to detract him from his purpose. Jesus would have none of it. He would not let you within a square mile of him if you were talking to him about diverting him from the will of God. And we should be the same way. Don't run with people that say, you shouldn't go to church all the time. Why do you go to church all the time? Why are you praying all the time? Why do you read the Bible all the time? You need to say, you know, it's been real. I'll see you. Get around people that you can pray with at any given time. Say, I, I want to pray. You got it. I'm going to church. I'm going with you. I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to seek Him. I'm going to fast. I'll fast with you. Get with people who crank your chain spiritually. Get with people who spur you on, who sharpen you. Don't run with people that drag you down. When Jesus said, deny yourself, he used the same word that the Bible uses when it says Peter denied the Lord. How did Peter deny the Lord? It says that here he is sitting in my little fire. His self is so alive. His self is so there. He hadn't been baptized in the Holy Ghost. There's been no Pentecost. He's all there, the man, Peter. Little damsel says to him, I saw you. You were with him. You're one of his disciples. He said, I don't know him. A couple of minutes later, yeah, it's you. Your language is giving you away. I don't know him. The third time, he cursed and it says that Jesus walked by. Now, how did Peter deny the Lord? There's Jesus. He said, he turned his back and said, I don't know him. He is totally foreign to me. I have nothing to do with him. Same word is used with denying yourself. When it rises up against God, you say, what are you doing off the cross? You're supposed to be on the cross. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me. I have been crucified with Christ. I'm dead to sin. My old, rebellious, stubborn, willful self is on the cross. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Yes, you were there. Your old man was there. And when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Your old man was on the cross with him in the mysterious ways of God. That old self that says, I'm going to go against God. That stubborn, rebellious nature that says, I don't want God. I want my own way. Crucified. So when he rises up, you say, I don't know you.
That's what it means to deny yourself. You denounce that self that would go against God. Don't know you. Say what? I don't even listen to you. Knowing this, our old man, do you know this? Paul said, knowing this, do you know this? Took me years and years and years to know this, and sometimes I forget it still. That Jesus took care of my will in the garden. Because he sweated blood there, and every place he shed blood had something to do with setting me free. So he shed blood in the garden. And what was the blood about? The will. It was about the will. Not my will, but thine be done. And so right there in the garden, he set us free. So that when I'm having a conflict, I just say, ah, I don't know you. I'm denying myself. And I pick up my cross and I apply the power of that cross, the power of the cross that set me free, the power of the cross that delivered me from me, the tyranny of me. What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, that's what I do. Who will deliver me? Thanks God to God, Jesus Christ will. So when I'm faced with something where myself rises up and says, I want my way, I say, I don't know you. I choose him and I pick up my cross. Powerful stuff, church. That's how you become steady, eddy, because every day you got to do it. And every day you can know that the cross sets you free to choose the will of God. Hallelujah. <sighs> I, uh, I'm going to close with a little illustration. The other day I was out back and I saw this big bird. He's flying through the trees and I looked because he looked all hassled and I saw that there was a little bird flying above him, chirping at him, dive bombing into his head and pecking at him. And this big bird was doing all kinds of contortions to escape this little bird. And I thought, look at this, a giant powerful bird, but there's no way he can defeat this little guy because he's right behind him where he can't see him. He's right behind him where he can't get to him. Everywhere he'd dip, and that little bird would dip with him. He'd come up, that little bird would come up with him. Whack, 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 coming at him, giving him all kinds of uh, trouble. <laughs> and then, then, the big bird, when I, just when I felt like praying for him, I really did. I said, Lord, help that big bird. He's going to die in front of me. That little bird's going to hassle him to death. Right about then, something occurred to that big bird. And he flew into this old dead tree that's behind our house and landed on one of the branches. And there was something about landing on that tree. The little bird left him. I watched. A couple of minutes later, he says, okay, coast is clear. Out he goes again. Here he comes. Bah, 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 bah. I said, this is pitiful. He says, I'm going back where I was before. He got right back to that tree, climbed on that branch, and the little bird left him alone. And I thought, that's the self. 
hassling you, big bird. You're a child of God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Ghost, a man of God, a woman of God. What are you doing letting that little bird hassle you? The only way to get him off your back is land on the cross. Land on that cross. You say, myself is driving me crazy. I want this, want that, want the other thing. Can't get away from all the things that I want. I want, I want, I want, I want. Wah, 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 wah. I don't want your will. God says, that that is giving me and you this problem was crucified with Christ. Why don't you take it to the cross? And as soon as you land there, I'm dead with Christ. I'm crucified. He's gone. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. You got to bring that will under obedience and discipline. And you do it by the cross. Can you say with me, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. He said, and those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts and desires and willfulness. So he took care of it in the garden. Can we stand together? Every time my will rises up against God, I picture that big, poor bird. (laughs) I say, cross, here I come. I say, I'm crucified with Christ. I have the power to choose God's will. His power in me. Are you glad for the cross? Were you there when they crucified the Lord? Were you there? Yeah, you were there. Father, I thank you that you gave us the power of God, the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that we could bring our wills into discipline. And choose the will of God so that we can pursue you. Thank you, Lord, for freeing us and helping us to be unencumbered so that we can pursue the will of God. Now, I want you to take a minute and I want you to pray and say, Lord, where am I willful? Where have I been willful? Where did, what area in my life just regularly, consistently rises up and blocks God's will for me, challenges God's will for me. And I want you to say, Lord, I pick up the cross. I pick up the cross. And I know that the cross covers it. And I choose, not my will, but thine be done. Go ahead and just pray for a moment as Steve plays. Then we're going to sing. And I want God to begin to set you free. You can be free in your marriage to not do what you don't want to do. That is, to to be a blesser, to be a lover. The Lord wants to help you. Give it to God. Thank you, Lord.